This episode of Seize the A is brought to you by Zero, online accounting software that helps you do business, but better. These are the yays of our lives. Busy and happy are not the same thing. We too rarely question what makes the heart sing. We work, then we rest, but rarely we play and often don't realize there's more than one way. So this is a platform to hear and explore the stories of those who found lives they adore. The good, bad and ugly, the best and worst day will bear all the facets of seizing your yay. I'm Sarah Davidson, or Spoonful of Sarah, a lawyer turned fun entrepreneur who swapped the suits and heels to co-found Matcha Maiden and Matcha Milk Bar. Seize the Yay is a series of conversations on finding a life you love and exploring the self-doubt, challenge, joy, and fulfillment along the way. Hello, beautiful people. Hope you're having a wonderful week. It's been such a nice one at this end, celebrating mine and my brother's joint birthday with our loved ones. Thank you all so much for the beautiful messages. They just made my day. I'm not sure if you've heard the story, but I'll tell it again in case you haven't, because it still gives me goosebumps to this day. You may know that my brother and I were both adopted from South Korea, but we were actually born in different cities and into different biological families. But plot twist, we were both born on the same day, four years apart. So if ending up together in a different country in our beautiful family here isn't a sign that we were destined to be together, I don't know what else is. I think that's one of the big reasons that my sometimes sceptical, heavily scientific side also makes way to a deep spirituality and much more woo-woo belief in the many mysteries of the universe. We are polar opposites in so many ways, but that has only made us a more perfect match. And after my mild breakdown at four years old, when I realized I'd have to share my life with a yucky boy, we've been besties ever since. It's a funny thing, birthdays. I know I make fun of how much of a grandma I've become and the backaches, love for early night and sudden appreciation of homewares catalogues that comes with your 30s and beyond. But in all seriousness, there is still a bit of a negative connotation around ageing in our society. And ageism is one of the weirdest and most confusing forms of discrimination in my mind because it's the one area that almost none of us can avoid, unlike other areas where you're unlikely to ever morph into another race, for example. I've definitely had a breakdown or two over time passing more quickly or me becoming more of an adult than I actually feel like, but this week's quote of the A always brings me back to earth in those moments, particularly around our birthday each year, although it's relevant every single day. The quote of the A is, never regret growing older, for it is a privilege denied to many. When you think about it like that, it really just brings back into focus that aging is nothing to complain about and actually a privilege and that there are so many wonderful humans who don't get the luxury of complaining about being tired or laughing at memes about finally understanding your parents' love of supportive footwear or new hummus flavors. Rather than lamenting the years that pass each year and thinking of age as a bad thing, this one really quickly flips those years into something to be grateful for, which is why I always revert to it when I'm having one of those moments. While I don't generally love reflecting much on our mortality, I do think it's important not to ignore it completely and take from it the invaluable lesson that we cannot add more years to our lives, but that we can and must add more life to our years. Sometimes you do need a little kick up the butt to remember to make your life as fulfilling and wonderful as it can be and not to waste a single moment because you might not get that moment again. 
And because our birthday often falls quite close to Easter in the calendar year, another thing that also helps push me along in these annual reflections is the Good Friday appeal. So, of course, it made sense for this to be the topic of our Yeighbourhood Watch segment for this week. So many of us, in Melbourne at least, have grown up hearing about the Good Friday appeal without necessarily understanding what it does or why it's important. So I thought I'd do a little research to remind myself, as well as hopefully get some of you Yeighbourhood on board. It's run each year on Good Friday on behalf of the Royal Children's Hospital in Melbourne to raise funds that allow the hospital to provide world-class equipment, care and research for sick children and their families who desperately need it. One thing I definitely didn't know before recording this was that the Good Friday Appeal is in its 90th year this year, which is quite extraordinary given what a huge percentage that is of how long Australia has even been a country. (laughs) It all started back in 1931, when the Children's Hospital was at risk of closure due to soaring costs, overcrowding and under-resourcing. On hearing this, a team of journalists from the Sporting Globe, part of the Herald and Weekly Times, decided to hold a sports carnival to raise money for sick children. On the 3rd of September 1931, following a Cobb and Co carriage procession through the streets of Melbourne, a delighted crowd of 20,000 spectators enjoyed a sports carnival, which began with a football match involving competing jockeys from Flemington and Caulfield, followed by a game with World War I veterans representing the North and the South of the Yarra. 90 years later, the appeal has raised nearly $400 million and funded research projects like the Children's Cancer Centre Tissue Bank and Brain Tumor Clinical Trials, equipment like the neurosurgery microscope and infant warmers for critical care, and patient and family-centred care focusing not only on physical but also mental health. I'm so thrilled to have Rebecca Cowan join us on the show, the Executive Director of the Good Friday Appeal, to tell us a little bit more about this incredibly important initiative. Rebecca, thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate it so much. Oh, thank you, Sarah, for having me here. So give us a little introduction to what your role is and a little bit of history of how you ended up here before we jump into what you actually do. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, I'm the Executive Director of the Good Friday Appeal and I've been here for just on coming up to a year. Um, I joined two weeks before Good Friday last year and it was just as we were going into COVID, into lockdown. So it was an interesting and and challenging time. Um, A little bit about myself. I uh, started my career in corporate um, at Telstra and then NAB. I did about 10 years in sponsorship roles and marketing roles and then I took a little bit of time out, had a, had a few children, um, and when I say few, I had three children, I should <laughs> clarify, <laughs> and um, yeah, I think when I was on that leave with my middle um, child, I decided to make a bit of a change and I went into the not-for-profit space, so for the last 10 years I've worked with other children's, um, pretty much in the health and children wellbeing space, which I'm really passionate about, and, and then the opportunity came up, as I said, a year ago, and I'm now here with the Good Friday Appeal, which is such an honour, and um, it's an incredible incredible organisation and the work that they do. So I'm just thrilled to be, be be a big part of it, which is great. Oh, how exciting. And I think that is one thing that the name might be a little bit misleading in that you think that it's just in the lead up to Good Friday Appeal that you would actually have things to do. But I think people would grossly underestimate how much of the year it actually takes up to make this incredible work happen. So tell us about what the Good Friday Appeal actually does. I imagine last year was a little bit different. Probably your, your first introduction was not the traditional way that uh, Good Friday Appeal unravels, but generally what does it do? Um, I know everyone will know the name, but maybe 
maybe not understand what it actually does and how important it is. Yeah, and that's right. I think a lot of people grew up with the Good Friday Appeal. Like myself, I grew up watching it with my family. But it's actually, we're celebrating its 90th year this year, which is such <gasps> a significant milestone. And it's 90 years of really the community coming together to uh, raise money and to give for the kids. And all the money that we raise goes to the Royal Children's Hospital to fund key projects, uh, whether it's research, new equipment that they, they need, um, that really important patient and family-centred care and uh, leadership as well. So that's what, it, what we fund. Um, um, we've raised 381 million in that time, and as I said, it's the community oh that gosh. champions this cause and raises that money. So it started in 1931. A group of sports journalists uh, decided to raise the money for the local local children's hospital at the time, and they had a football game. And from there, I think they raised 450 pounds. And from <laughs> there, as I said, 381 million dollars. It's really incredible. Oh my gosh! And this is one of those things that even if you do understand the role that it plays now, I don't. Think many of us would have known that rich history. I mean, 90 years as a percentage of how long Australia has actually existed is pretty extraordinary. And these are the parts of what's going on in the community that make me really excited to share because I think there is so much going on that has been championed from the very small baby steps of a football game right up to a big organisation that now has raised, you know, $400 million nearly. That's why the neighbourhood makes me so excited. So how do we get involved? And obviously a a lot of the focus is around this time of year, around Easter and, and in the lead up to Good Friday. So yeah, how can we get involved this coming week? But also, how do you use the rest of the year to kind of keep building momentum and make sure that each year there is, you know, a really big impact for the children? Yeah, so to get involved, everyone can get involved. Um, and look, we know it's been a really tough year, especially for Victorians. So if people are in the position to be able to donate, we welcome that and they can go to our website, FridayAppeal.com.au, or you can also participate by buying a raffle ticket um, and you can also jump online and there's information on there that talks about what's happening in your local area as well because there's events and fundraising activities happening. Um, but also you can watch the telethon on Channel 7. It's broadcast throughout the day from midday. It will be live and it goes all the way up through to 11.30 at night. So there's many ways yeah, to get involved and you can also share it through social media if you'd like to um, yeah, send a message of support. We really welcome that. As you said, yeah, this year is very, uh, very different um, from previous years, but we've adapted like many businesses and uh, what we're doing is taking that tried and tested of what's really worked in the past and uh, bringing in that new way of doing things. So a lot of digital technologies as well. So uh, we have a lot of tin shakers out there at collections, um, at intersection collections and door knocking as well. So we've also got QR codes on our tins in case people don't have coins or, or um, notes this year so we'll be able to still collect donations that way oh my gosh um, really point, <laughs> yeah we, we've had to you have to um in this time I think every business has had to adapt and uh we, that's we've had so to high tech well. yeah <laughs> well yes we um we hope it we hope it uh all works which I'm sure it will on the day and we've just obviously had to look at our digital platforms as well to make sure that we can yes yeah, support people if they want to donate in person or with their with their coins or whether they want to do it online so um, <laughs> and we also have our phone room on the day as well so you can ring um, our number which will be televised on on the broadcast and uh, you can ring up and uh, donate that way as well which has been going for nearly 60 years that part of the side of the appeal which is wonderful 
it is a bit of an institution to sit there and, and watch it during the day, like just tune in at different times and yeah. see who's manning the phone lines. And <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And then to back to your point around um, what do we do throughout the year, we do, yeah, there's obviously the planning and the wrapping up of the appeal, but we're supporting our fundraisers throughout the year. So we're really fortunate. We've got, um, like, for example, the CFA, it's their 70th year of supporting us this year. So they fundraise obviously on Good Friday in the lead up, but also throughout the year we're supporting them with their activities like a lot of our other community groups that support us so there's yeah different activities happening out throughout the year and then we're building up for the big day as well so sometimes people say do you just work for three months of the year it's like no we we it's it's a full-time role and um yeah it's also ensuring that we're thanking our supporters as well because we get incredible support from the community and um, it's making sure they feel part of it as well throughout the year yeah that's definitely um, a bit of a misnomer around the campaign that it does just involve yeah. three months of the year or one month of the year the sort of like yeah. Easter lead up I imagine you are going full steam ahead all of the time what are some of the things even just last year I mean I'm sure again it was a modified experience but are there any community or grass level stories or moments of things that happened that have really touched you or that would be good for people to know about the the impact that this Good Friday appeal can make for families or for young children or for just people out there in the community who are getting involved? I think, yeah, last year we, I think what, I was new to the appeal, but as I said, I grew up watching it and I've always, um, being in the not-for-profit space, I've always been amazed at what the Good Friday appeal has been able to do with their the involvement with community groups. And even when everything was shutting down and uh, we had to adapt events and then they got cancelled, um, we still had so many of our, we have area managers in each of the town, across the towns, across the state in each of the towns and regions. There's 195 area managers who've, um, some of them have been doing it for you know, 30, 40, 50 years and they're their champion for that local town. Wow. And, and it is, they all do this as volunteers. So we we support them and for us it's about, they're the, the heroes and the champions that raise the money. And they were just really disappointed that they couldn't get out there and they just wanted to be able to raise the money like what they've done in previous years. And that just reminded me of there's so many good people um, in this country and it just, that's the essence of the appeal. It's just people wanting to give back to support sick children. And I think we all know someone, whether it's been our own child or a sibling um, or a family member, friend who's had to use, this, you know, the, get the care and medical care from the hospital and um, you just don't want to do whatever you can to ensure that they get the best medical care. And that's where the money raised goes towards that, ensuring that um, you know, the hospital continues to be one of the top five hospitals in the whole world. So it really is, we're incredibly fortunate to be able to access this support. And we know that across Victoria and across the borders as well. And also internationally, people um, children are supported by the Royal Children's Hospital um, with the best medical care, which is just outstanding. Oh, that is so incredibly special. And I'm so excited that we will have a mother who is, uh, I think, one of the ambassadors, her family and her story, uh, who will be jumping on shortly. So I'm so excited to share that story because, again, it's so important to hear and be able to personalise the statistics. Like $400 million is very hard to actually understand like what does that mean for someone what what impact does that have on families you know the macro is very impressive but it's the micro I think that really really you can connect with so Erin will be joining us shortly I'm, I'm very excited about that and thank you so much for everything that you do I'm, I'm so excited and I hope that some of our listeners who might not have understood ways that they could get involved will be on board 
Oh, thank you. Thank you, Sarah, for your time as well. And to all your listeners, thank you for your support. And um, if you have supported the Good Friday Appeal in the past or you're going to this year, we're incredibly grateful for that support. So thank you very much. Oh, my gosh. It is things like this out in the neighbourhood that really just give you such a renewed sense of faith in humanity and how amazing that so much of the work is done by volunteers. Unfortunately, we weren't able to get Dr. Virginia on the show, who was going to speak from a medical perspective about the Good Friday Appeal. She is the director of the Royal Children's Hospital Neurosurgery Department and is known for performing the first auditory brainstem implant on a child in Australasia and the 2009 separation of conjoined twins, among many other things. But we do have up next the wonderful Erin Johnson, mum of this year's face of the appeal, Marlu Hunt. And there are so many other stories just like this one of families who have been given transformative support by the Good Friday Appeal. I hope you guys are as inspired by Erin and Marlu as I was. Lovely neighbourhood for all my fellow business owners out there, I've got a tip that will absolutely change your life for the better. Since the very beginning, we've been using Xero as our accounting software, and for over five years, it's been the glue that holds all of our businesses and my sanity together. It's easy to use online accounting software that simplifies everyday business tasks, such as invoicing customers, managing cash flow and inventory, reconciling your bank transactions so your books are always up to date and collating all of your data into clear and invaluable reports. It's hosted online, but there's also a Xero mobile app. So wherever you go, you've got access to the tools you need to run your business. Whether you're part of a team or out on your own, it has options and features for everyone. It's so easy to get started. Search XERO today and start your 30-day free trial. That's XERO.com. Welcome, Erin. Thank you so much for joining us. Hello. We've just had Rebecca join us from the Good Friday Appeal to talk about the organisational side of things, but I'm so, so excited to share a bit of a more intimate understanding of how important the Good Friday Appeal actually is and the incredible impact it can have on families. So you are the mum of this year's face of the appeal, Malu Hunt. Tell us about your family story. Well, we've got little Malu. He just turned two in December. And in July last year, he had surgery called a hemispherotomy, um, where they disconnected the right hemisphere of his brain due to epilepsy. Oh my gosh. Wow. So he he was born with epilepsy and had been diagnosed early? No, he wasn't born with epilepsy. So just after his first birthday was when he started having seizures. Um, So it came as a bit of a shock. We don't have epilepsy in the family or anything like that. So um, it was quite the surprise to us. It sort of started out as um, his eyes would sort of roll back in his head and it sort of progressed further from there and his arms and body would jolt as well. And they sort of happened in clusters. So he could have up to 100 of these little seizures in a cluster's in a day. We trialled lots of different medication, um, but nothing was able to stop his seizures. Oh my gosh. And I think that's another one of those conditions. Epilepsy is something that we've all got like quite a clear stereotype in our minds that it's people who go to a disco and there's a strobe (laughs) light and then you have a fit. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've learned so much along the way. There's so many different 
types of epilepsy and some that will um, respond to medication and obviously some that don't, which I kind of always had in my mind that, oh, there'll be a medication that will help this. We'll be okay. But there wasn't. Yes. And so, I, I mean, I didn't even know that a hemispherotomy was even a procedure that you could do, that you could even disconnect from the hemispheres of your brain. So how did you even get to that option did you go straight to the royal children's you know what was the process yeah originally we went I was when it all sort of got really bad we were down visiting my family in Portland for Christmas and um, he started having a lot more of these eye rolls and they were lasting longer so we went to emergency down there and they said look you need to get to a bigger hospital so originally we went to the Geelong hospital because that's where we're from um, and we're just like oh they'll send us on further if they need to so they did a lot of tests for us there and then they connected us with the royal children's from there so they did more EEGs and sent us in for an MRI and PET scan, which I guess, I mean, that was like, I think maybe five months along the track that we got in for those. And that's sort of where they got all the information that they needed to know the cause, which was the multifocal cortical dysplasia where the brain hadn't developed properly. Oh my gosh, the terminology. (laughs) (laughs) And where in that process did the Good Friday appeal come in to make that surgery possible for you guys? Yeah, well, I mean, Over the years, like this is the 90th appeal this year, which is amazing. Over the years, they've raised $381 million and that money has gone towards research and equipment and education and all of those things combined. Um, Malu's surgery wouldn't have been possible without the combination of all those things. So we are so grateful for for the Good Friday appeal and everything that they've done in the past. It's one of those things, isn't it, that without really hearing stories of young children who have actually been able to have these life-changing but quite complicated, I mean, any kind of brain surgery is extraordinary. We were going to have uh, Virginia on the show who is one of the neurosurgeons, uh, but obviously she's doing neurosurgery, so she's quite a busy woman. But it's, it is really, really important to understand that these aren't you know, basic just issue medication and the child will get better. They're, they're life-changing and sometimes life-saving, but without funding, you can't have hospital equipment that allows this to happen and you can't have doctors and support staff and people to navigate you through what is, I imagine, one of the scariest and most traumatic experiences of your life. Yeah, absolutely. We are um, really just so lucky to have the support from the Children's Hospital. I remember um, Virginia speaking about it and saying that, the money had gone towards an MRI machine that they used during Malu's surgery so that they could have the MRI while he was lying there rather than have to wheel him away to do something else. Like they were able to have all like the best equipment there because he was in surgery for 13 hours. So like. Wow. <laughs> and how, how long ago was that? And how is he? Eight his... months ago. Um, and he's doing really amazing. So initially after his surgery, he um, was he had partial paralysis on his left side, so there wasn't any movement at all. Um, but as soon as we got home out of hospital and back with his brothers and, of course, with all the therapy and everything else, I think it was about six weeks and he was back sort of walking, starting to walk on his own, which just blew our minds because we didn't really know what to expect, but he's doing really well. Oh, my gosh, that is such wonderful news. Oh, how exciting. So did they reconnect the hemisphere of his brain to anything? No, so it's just disconnected. They kind of explain it like that part of the brain is just like a floating island in there. It's not connected. It's still actually having seizures, which is weird, but the messages can't be sent anywhere to the rest of his body. So it gives the left side of his brain the opportunity to develop as it should have. 
Oh my gosh. For other parents who might be, you know, going through diagnosis of epilepsy or noticing seizures, seizures in their children, I feel like spreading awareness and having conversations of early symptoms or things that have helped you along the way, is there anything you would want to pass on to yourself earlier on in the process that you wish you knew or that, you know, just a little tip along the way? Yeah, I guess that like following your instinct is is always, I mean, with everything for a mum, mums always have good instinct and I think um, just to be a good advocate for your child and keep pushing if you think something's not right. Um, it's been a steep, steep learning curve for us. But, um, yeah, we're very grateful for the outcome that we've got. Oh, my gosh. And he sounds like such a little trooper. There's no slowing him down now. <laughs> well, I'm so – that just warms my heart so much. And to our beautiful listeners, I mean, this is just one of – I can't even imagine how many stories of families who have been impacted by the machinery and the technology and, I mean – nearly $400 million must have allowed just leaps and bounds in the medical industry without which many children and and people of all ages couldn't have survived. So I think it's a wonderful, wonderful cause that we can all get behind, even in a small way. I mean, we're talking before to Rebecca that the donation tins now have credit card facility access. What? It's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us. Do you have any plans for Easter ahead? Well, we'll be very busy with the Good Friday appeal up in Melbourne. So we're really excited to be involved and um, just really hoping to encourage everybody to donate this year. Oh, wonderful. Well, we'll look out for you on TV and have a wonderful Easter. Thank you very much for taking the time to chat. Oh, gosh, what a little warrior little Malu must be. Such an incredibly heartwarming story, and there are so many others. I'll include some links to the website in the show notes so you can have a little bit more of a read. Childhood is such a treasured and precious time, and I feel so deeply for those whose earliest magical years are impacted by illness and challenge. Again, I'll include links to how you can get involved, and I hope you all can dig deep. Finally, as you know by now, the last section is recommendations, but this week the neighborhood did not have any submissions. So please do get your thinking caps back on about heartwarming or uplifting movies or books or TV shows. This segment, after all, is meant to be all about you guys and not just about what I think. But in the absence of a submission, I've got to give you something. So I've got another oldie. None of these are new, but there's plenty to still work through on the list of things that I've found really, really full of yay. This one by its name alone is pretty obviously connected to joy. It's called The Pursuit of Happiness, a 2006, I think, American biographical drama film starring Will Smith. And it follows the story of uh, a character called Chris Gardner and his nearly one year struggle being homeless. The uh, title of the film is actually spelt, happiness is spelt incorrectly with a Y, and it comes from a mural that Gardner sees on a wall outside the daycare facility that his son attends. I won't tell you much more, but it's just a beautiful, um, very heartwarming and uplifting film, and Will Smith was actually nominated for an Oscar and a Golden Globe for Best Actor. So if you haven't watched that, uh, I highly recommend you do if you want a little smile popped on your face. And if there are any other movies like that uh, that make you feel the same way, please don't forget to shoot me a message or an email about it. I'd love to know if any of you have gone on to watch any of the recommendations from past weeks. 
couple of you have watched The Blind Side and quite a few people actually have watched The Intouchables, which is, again, not an English-speaking movie, so quite niche. But I loved how many of you had already watched that. I think that's one of my favourite movies of all time, so I'm so glad I'm not the only one that's obsessed with it. But, yes, please get your thinking caps on and keep putting those submissions forward so the Yeighborhood segment can keep growing. I hope you guys are having a wonderful week. If you get a little bit of time off over Easter, I hope you have a delightful break and are seizing your yay.